Hello, you're listening to Strides Forward. But before we get to the episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast I think you might be interested in. I've been a fan since it launched late in 2019. It's the Keeping Track podcast, co-hosted by former and current professional runners Alicia Montano, Roisin McGettigan, and Molly Huddle. The trio discuss issues around women in sport with other notable female athletes or experts in the field. Their conversations are personal and powerful, and they get into tough issues that need more attention like racial and gender discrimination and inequality and drug use, that is, cheating. All of the episodes are really good listens, and I found the interview with two-time Olympic medalist Don Harper Nelson particularly memorable, as well as their interview with Team USA hammer thrower Gwen Berry, and activist, runner, and community organizer Allison Desir, and so much more. I really like what they're doing, and I really get a lot out of all the episodes. You can find Keeping Track at keeping-track.com. Com. Give them a listen. Okay, now on to the episode. Whoops, that strides forward. Forward, forward, forward. Welcome back to Strides Forward, the podcast about long-distance running and women who compete in the sport. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and the producer of Strides Forward. This episode is part of our first season which features stories of runners who have a strong connection to South Africa's Comrades Marathon, the world's oldest and largest ultra-distance running race. Comrades turns 100 years old in 2021, and over 27,000 runners were registered for the 2020 event. And while a conventional marathon is 26.2 miles, or 42.2 kilometers, Comrades is 90 kilometers long, or roughly 56 miles, so it's actually an ultramarathon. Ultras being any running races that are longer than a marathon. One note about this story is that it does involve domestic violence. So if you're listening with young children, or this is a subject that you're particularly sensitive to, please be aware. This story is also about unwavering determination to run far and fast, while also being a strong role model for two children and working the strenuous and stressful job of a firefighter and paramedic. It's the story about this woman. My name is Annie Manzini. I'm from South Africa. I live in a small town called Boxbeck. I had passion of running since I was at school. But I started to be running competitively around 2007. So yes, since grammar school, Annie had felt a strong draw to the sport of running. Since at school, I always wanted to compete in the running field. There was netball, there was volleyball, but I was never interested in those kind of sports. I will always go for running. I just, I think that was my God-given talent. Annie started out running 10Ks, then progressed up through half marathons and then to full marathons, eventually moving on to ultras all the way up to the Comrades Marathon. Like many South African long-distance runners, Annie was drawn to Comrades because, well, it's Comrades. 
It's not only the biggest running event in the country, it's one of South Africa's biggest sporting events at all. But Eni was also inspired to run Comrades after seeing the Russian Nergalieva twins win year after year. In the decade between 2003 and 2013, they were almost unbeatable. The only year one of them didn't win during that decade was in 2005, and that victory went to Tatiana Zirkova, who was also a Russian. When I used to watch Comrade on TV, seeing the Russian twins always dominating, I told myself, you know what, I need to go and try and run this race. So (laughs) that's when I started now having that dream about running Comrade. One day, I want to run this race. To help her running journey evolve, Eni found support and got training information through fellow runners in her area. She joined a local running team, and then when a team formed at her workplace, she began running with them. And there, she set the standard. Much to the admiration of her co-workers, Eni was the fastest, male or female. And come 2011, she realized her dream of running comrades for the first time. But it didn't come easy. Just after Annie had started to take her running more seriously in 2007, she had her first child. And by the time she'd made that comrades debut, she was the mother of two, a boy and a girl. So she sacrificed sleep and any sort of social life to get in her runs. She worked her training around her family and household commitments and the long hours she put in as a firefighter and paramedic. I work long hours. I work four shifts. I work two days and two nights. Then I go off for four days. So normally when I train, it depends. If I'm starting a shift that day, I have to wake up around 3 a.m., Then I will train around four or half past four, depending on the distance. So another thing, when I'm working night shift, so I normally train immediately when I finish my night shift in the morning at seven. Yeah, that's how I do my training. That's how I get my training done. Any squeezed in racing much the same way. On numerous occasions, she'd come home from a long race, take care of her family, and then head out to work a night shift. Day in, day out, year after year, Annie kept at this rigorous schedule. Whatever it took to keep improving her running, Annie did it. So I try by all means to be to keep myself disciplined and yeah, and there's no day where I will skip my training. Annie was fueled throughout by her positive and ambitious mindset. Most of the time, I imagine about the goals, what I want to achieve. So that keeps me motivated if I run that long distance, even though sometimes when we are training on your on your long runs, you will feel, some days you will feel tired and you will feel that this is hard. And you will always ask yourself, If I'm feeling this distance, it's so hard, then will I make it in my race day? So sometimes I will imagine myself winning the race. I will imagine myself being in the podium. That motivates me. So how I keep myself going and I always tell myself to say, you know what, even though it feels so hard in my training, 
then I know that on the race day, I can do better than this. While Eni was powering through hard workouts, envisioning winning races, there was one key person who did not support these efforts at all. And that was her husband. Long around 2015, he laid down an ultimatum. So my husband, I think because of his insecurities, he told me to stop running. So there was a lot of things happening. There was domestic violence that was involved there and I never reported them. So that moment then, something just told me to say, you know what, this is enough. Because there was nothing wrong that I'm doing. I just love running. And what is more likely to influence the children positively, doing things like sports, competing, than someone who will go and drink and socialize? The abuse had begun after Annie had their first child, and she'd never gone to the police, even though it had become increasingly worse over the years. And running was something that kept any fit and strong, something that was important to her personally, but also as a mother and role model to her two children. So when her husband finally insisted that she just stop running altogether, Annie had her own moment of reckoning. So that moment, he just opened my eyes to say, you know what, this is enough and this is getting worse. So I went to report a matter to the police, and the police told me to go and do a protection order. They issued him with a protection order, but a marriage now with a protection order, I was just thinking and I was asking myself, how are we going to live? So Annie had reported the domestic violence to the police and gotten a protection order. And in essence, this order meant that if Annie's husband violated it, that is, if he physically abused her again, he would be arrested. But the couple was still living together. So it made sense for Annie to wonder how this order, this threat of arrest, was actually going to stop a habit of abuse in her home. It didn't take long before Annie would get the answer to her question. About a week after he received the protection order, I found foreign particles in my running supplement. The taste was different. I started to feel dizzy. I started to see blurry. Then my heart rate, my, I started to feel palpitation. I went outside. After I went outside, then I started to feel a little bit better. Then I called my daughter. I said, please bring me a glass of milk. Then she brought me a glass of milk. I drank the milk. Then I felt better. Annie decided to go to bed and get some rest. But when she woke up, she still wasn't feeling well, and she was feeling a bit weak. Then I decided to go, oh, let me just go and to hospital. I drove myself. I went to hospital. On the way, I was feeling hot. I was seeing blurry again, then I will park on the side of the road. Then when I feel better, then I drove again, open the window, I drove up until I arrived at the hospital. Then it was a Friday. Then when I arrived at hospital, they took me to triage room. They took vital signs. My heart rate was so high. And as a runner, my heart rate should be low. They decided to admit me at hospital. Then I stayed there whole weekend. They discharged me Monday. Since my car was there outside, then I drove myself back home. There had been tests done at the hospital, and they'd come up inconclusive. 
But it seemed clear that someone had put poison in Ennie's supplement drink powder. And the suspicions of who would have done such a thing pointed strongly to one person, Ennie's husband. Ennie also recalled something her husband had said to the police when they had come to serve him with the protection order. In addition to being physically violent, Ennie's husband had been spying on her phone, and the officers told him that he should stop. His response was daunting. His answer to the police was to say, uh, Annie, she's my wife. I will do whatever I want to do. That told me, you know what, when I just combine everything that has happened and I was like, you know what, a protection order is just a paper. It won't protect you. It's just a paper. And that's when I, you know what, the time I was dying at hospital, I just decided to know what, I just have to leave this marriage because otherwise I'm going to die. Any filed for a divorce, and it was finalized in 2016. And most importantly, she had freed herself from ongoing violence and trauma. Any's domestic abuse nightmare was over. And almost immediately, Any started seeing exciting and unexpected shifts in her running career. She set personal best times in several distances and won some local races. And early in 2017, she lined up for one of South Africa's biggest marathons, the Johnson Crane. Any felt well-prepared to go after her sub-three-hour goal, as she lined up against over 3,000 other runners, including several elite-level women. And while she would miss her goal by only one minute on that day, her performance was noteworthy for another very important reason— so I went and ran Johnson Crane. It's a marathon. Then I was the first lady. I won that race. I was excited and it was a nice feeling winning the race. And that feeling really motivated me more and more. Let's revel in that for a moment. Any ended a violent, abusive relationship. And in less than a year, she'd won a marathon. And while she hadn't broken three hours, that 3.01 finish was a personal best marathon time. And Ennie's running fortunes were only about to get better. Because it was during this same time period when Ennie was really starting to come into her own with her running that ultra-distance runner Anne Ashworth was scouting for elite female long-distance runners who appeared to have untapped potential. Runners she could help bring into the elite ranks... Runners like any. And on one fateful day, these two trajectories collided. I arrived at work, then I was opening my emails, then I saw her name. Like I asked myself, and Ashworth, I knew this name, but why did she send the email? Annie had closed the door on a destructive marriage, and Anne Ashworth was opening a window. She wants to develop this female team, elite female team. Then she wants me to be part of that team. She took me by surprise. I was happy. I was so excited. I was screaming. <laughs> and yeah, I was really happy then. And I will never forget that day because that day it really she changed my life. 
Any Manzini had received an invitation to be part of an all-women's elite development team, a team that's mission was to provide support to women who had the talent and drive to level up from sub-elite to elite. This meant she'd receive financial support and other benefits, and for any, it had another important significance as well. Whatever Anne has done, it just showed me that if there is someone out there who can see the potential in you, then that really touched me very much. And she she put hope in me. When I, I was thinking that whatever I'm doing, it was nothing, but for the fact that she, from far, she recognized me, she saw that potential in me, she really motivated me to even do better than what I was doing. With Anne's belief in her, Annie found an even greater drive to excel. So when she lined up for the first event she would do with her new team, she was well-trained and ready to have another go at her sub-three-hour marathon goal. My first race with the team, I didn't have a, a good race at all. Along the road, I started to have an upset time. So I was struggling in that race and I didn't do well. I wanted a sub three. So instead of getting that sub three, I ended up finishing my race uh, three hour 44. So after the race, I was disappointed. I was crying even because it was my first race after I joined that uh, team was mad. While the race was deeply disappointing, Annie did get some valuable insight into how the team operated. So after that end, she phoned me. Then she asked me what happened. I told her. Then she asked me why didn't you come to us like so that we can be there for you. She told. She motivated me. She told me don't lose hope. We know uh, you're not gonna be perfect in all the races. You sometimes you won't achieve the the goals that you want to achieve. So she just assured me, and that made me feel better. Annie was reassured that the team would be there for her through ups and downs. Anne had faith in the runners she had chosen, and she was in it with them for the long haul. And an area where she saw that the team could really help on a steady basis was by providing a structured training program. Something Anne had noticed with most of the athletes she'd invited onto Team MassSmart was that they were really good, but they didn't train properly or have the structured training plan they needed to be great. Anne approached me. She told me, okay, if you sign in with the team, we'll give you a coach. So then I now having a program because before I would just run or I would just run according to other people's plan, you see. The support provided by Annie's coach, Mark Wolf, and by the team benefited her physically as well as mentally and emotionally. I would like to thank Team Masmat for all the support and they really helped me to restore whatever whatever I've lost. They helped me to to gain my confidence back again. The members of this all ladies team have also formed strong, mutually empowering bonds. Waking with Masmat it also helped me. 
in terms of my improvement. We share ideas, we support each other. You know that you have sisters that are always supporting you. Our goal is to improve each and every day, is to see ourselves achieving the goals that we set each and every year. And to know that as ladies, we have challenges, but when you have some someone who will support you, someone who will understand the difficulties that you are going through and who will always advise you, so it really helps a lot. I love being in this team. Another core ingredient in the recipe to create competitive elite runners is funding and other material support. Athletes who are pushing their limits benefit from pricey services like massage, chiropractic, and personal training. Supplements and other training and racing nutrition are also necessary, but again, they're costly. And to be competitive at the big races, you have to be able to get there. Last month, as they are supporting us financially, they are supporting us, helping us with the running gear and the other logistics that, like, Traveling to Comrade, the accommodation, transport, and uh, other things. They are taking care of all those costs because running is expensive. So with the support that they are giving us, it really makes life easier because you don't have to worry about finances because you know that at least my expenses have been taken care of. Now you have to just train hard. Now, of course, for any, for Team MassMart, and for many South Africans, there's one race that looms largest. One race where you want to show what all of this structured training, nutrition, financial support, and effort can add up to. And that race, without question, is Comrades. Most everyone in the country has a sense of, or at least an appreciation for, how difficult this event is. It's a cultural touchpoint that generates respect nationwide. And any has a firm understanding of why this is so. With Comrade Marathon, it's a long distance, it's a hard race. But if your mind is strong, you can conquer it. If you work on your mental fitness, and that can be achieved through your training, because you start that to teach human state during training to be able to work hard, to be able to, to withstand. It's only our mind that sometimes may try to discourage us. That's really the thing about Comrade. If you conquer it, then you feel proud of yourself. You feel that you can achieve anything. Any's definition of what conquering comrades means to her continues to develop as her running improves. An obvious goal is to get faster and finish higher among her competitors. One influential factor in the finishing time of a runner is the direction of the race. Comrades runs between the coastal city of Durban and the town of Peter Maritzburg, which is in the hills. Each year, the race switches direction. When it ends in Durban, there's much more downhill running. And when it ends in Peter Maritzburg, that's reversed. This makes for down years and up years. And as you might expect, the down years are faster. 
Annie's been chipping away at her comrade's performance since that first time she ran in 2011. She's completed the race a total of eight times since then, and 2019 was her best year yet. She finished with a blazing time of 7 hours, 10 minutes. Mind you, that was an up year, and her best time before that was from the previous year, her first year with Team MassMart, and, as you may have guessed, it was a down year. There she ran 7 hours, 21 minutes. So any cut 11 minutes off her time on a slower course. Both years she broke into the top 20, a truly phenomenal achievement. I'm happy that's finally um, at the top there. The year when I found myself in, in the top 20, that really made me emotional. I was inspired because that was the dream since I started knowing about comrades to be there, to be one of the top athletes. So right now I'm fighting. I'm fighting really to move into the top 10. As incredible as her race was in 2019, Annie hadn't reached the goal she'd set for herself, which she'd gotten tantalizingly close to. Yeah, I had a good race last year, and that was my best time was an up run. I even beat my down run PB. So I had a nice race up until around 20 kilometers to go. Then I am someone who's having a sensitive tummy. So from there, that's when I started to lose most of my time because otherwise I was in the right track. I was running well and I, I, was, I was aiming at finishing at sub seven. Annie continues to have what is clearly a very realistic goal of breaking seven hours, especially considering that 2021 is going to be a down year. With her coach, Mark Wolf, she continues to train and work on her race day nutrition. And if, or rather when, Annie does break seven hours, that will put her in the hunt for that highly coveted top 10 finish also known at Comrades as a gold medal performance because the top 10 women and men earn gold medals. I'm fighting really to move into the top 10. And I know that doesn't come easy. It comes with a lot of responsibilities. It comes with hard work. It comes with discipline. It comes with commitment. It comes with determination, perseverance. So yes, and I believe that if you really want something and if you commit yourself and work hard, you can achieve it. This dedication and commitment, Annie isn't just doing it for herself. As the single mother of a now 14-year-old girl and 12-year-old boy, she wants to continue to show them what it looks like to never give up on your dreams. They are happy for the fact that I'm doing well and I hope that whatever that I'm doing is going to inspire them and they will learn from me. But of course, reaching big, challenging goals isn't all about highlights. There's years of hard work and consistent dedication behind those epic performances. You have to have a goal. You have to set realistic goals. And you have to work hard. You have to be committed. You have to do to be dedicated, you have to persevere, you have to know that 
you're not going to be achieving the goals that you want every time. Sometimes it will take you long to achieve your goal. Like myself, it, it took me long <laughs> to achieve my sub three, but I never gave up. So you have to be patient and sit down and think and look and analyze where you went wrong and try and come back and fix the mistake. Then make sure that you are consistent with your training. Make sure that you follow whatever guidelines that you are getting from your coach. I am very thankful for my coach and I can see my improvement each and every year since I started with him. And I believe that I can still go very far. And I know that uh, my age right now, I think it's against me, but I'm getting better with age. Annie has endured traumatic hardships, and she has a full life even outside of being an elite runner. But it's been her passion for running and drive to reach her potential in the sport that has helped keep her strong throughout. Annie, now age 39, continues to get faster and aim for greater achievements. She also draws strength from how far she's already come. No matter what has happened in my life, I'm happy that I have achieved so many things in life. And right now I'm celebrating my success. I'm celebrating my achievement. So I'm very thankful for all the experience that I went through. Instead of breaking me, they made me stronger. Because no matter what I went through, I never gave up on myself. Whatever that I went through, it doesn't break me. Instead, I used it as my stepping stone. I used it for myself to even be a better person. And this is where we end our story of any Manzini. I want to thank Annie for her time and for sharing her running journey, and also for her willingness to share her experience with domestic abuse. Annie's been very open about this painful and personal part of her life because she wants others, especially women who might be experiencing something similar, to gain inspiration and motivation from her example. I feel really fortunate to get to share Annie's story, and I am inspired by her strength and confidence and endurance. Each episode after the story, I share a resource from the growing list of podcasts, blogs, newsletters, magazines, and books that are featured on the Strides Forward website on our Runner Resources page. These resources focus mostly on running and are created by women or feature women or both. The recommendation for this episode is the blog Free to Run, which is part of the Free to Run organization. This organization works with females in conflict areas to involve them in outdoor activities, including running. To quote their website, their goal is to increase opportunities for women and girls to engage in public life using sport as a tool of empowerment and education. The blog follows the work of the Free to Run organization. If you have an addition for the resources page, please contact me. I can always be reached through the website, or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strides Forward. I would also be so thankful for you to rate and review the show. I'm always grateful to get feedback from listeners. 
Thank you to the Strides Forward team, whose voices you experience in other ways on this podcast. There's Cormac O'Regan, who makes all of the music you hear and does the sound design. Thank you, Cormac. And there's April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative. She keeps the podcast branding and website looking amazing. You can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. And of course, thank you to you, the listener. I really appreciate you tuning in, and I really do love these stories, and I always enjoy hearing about what resonated. Was there a particular takeaway that stuck with you? Please let me know. Until next time, this is Cherie wishing you satisfying strides forward. That strides forward. Forward. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.